With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. One for podcasting. Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio. This is Des Moines Sports Station. 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to a Football Friday. Well, maybe not all football. We do have that little game taking place over in Iowa City tonight, six uh, eight o'clock, I should say. Uh, the Hawks are thirteen and a half point favorite in the Cy Hawk battle. We'll get into that throughout the show. Here's the BMW of Des Moines guest list on a Friday. We're going to start with our quick look around the NFL. At least two of the regional teams are uh, going to go down with the ship with the Bears right to the bitter end. We'll talk to the Bears with Jeff Hughes from the Bears blog. Uh, we'll do the same with Dave Sinekin on the Packers, but the Packers are very much alive as they try to battle for that one seed just a game back from New Orleans. And oh, by the way, those Saints have to take on the Chiefs before it comes to an end. And the head-to-head goes to the Packers if we do get to that point. Uh, Tom Cakert is here. He'll be here towards the bottom of the hour. We will preview uh, tonight's Cyhawk on the hardwood, and then at some point, segue to what's going to happen at Kinnick Stadium, Senior Day at Kinnick Stadium tomorrow, Wisconsin and Iowa, and... Is there a chance of snow? Oh, let's hope so. Oh, wouldn't that be great? Absolutely perfect for this game, the way these teams are built. Yep. Won't take long, Trent. This no. game will not take long. It shouldn't. Now, Run, it is run, 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 run. A Fox broadcast. Boy, it seems like they one It is, but, well, same deal. Fox property. Right. Seems like they have a lot longer timeouts. You know, that's you're not the first one that said that this year. And speaking of that... I've told you this before. One of my best friends, one of my groomsmen for my wedding, Sean, he was the Red Hat for a number of years uh-huh, at Kinnick right, Stadium. He did tell me that. Yep. I should ask him, are the TV timeouts longer he would know. with the Fox game than is they he, are for ESPN? Yes, ESPN. Or is it just our imagination? No, I. you know what? You're not the first that said that, that the Fox commercials seemingly take longer. Well, regardless, uh, we know that I will be playing tomorrow afternoon. A lot of running. At 2.30, that's for sure. Sir seems like that. And I. And for that reason, I give Iowa the edge in the football game. Wisconsin does not have a ground attack. They do not. Uh, this year. Their, their tight end's good. Their quarterback is young. I think he's going to be good, but Mertz... Uh, depends when you see him. Mitch Holtis will be here as we get back to the NFL with the reigning champion, uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Bama Bob Trent and I will go around college football. Dave Sproul on Iowa State. We'll get his take on Cyhawks. See if the football team made any news in their bye week. Give you an opportunity to win some klaxons about 11.45. And then Trent and I will finish up the program with our picks just before Noon. All right, Cyhawk in a second. Just I don't want to spend a ton of time on this from last night, but this was a pretty impressive Rams win, I thought. Might the Rams be I don't know who's the best team in the NFC. It depends. I know KC in the AFC, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but in the NFC, 
I mean, Green Bay looks really good. This Rams defense, the way they're playing at a, at a high level, uh, Goff when he's going, the running game is, is solid. Uh, Woods is a threat. The tight end is good. Would you fall off the chair if the Rams come no. out of the NFC? I wouldn't either. Well, and to piggyback off of that, whoever gets the one seed, it's a big advantage because you get that by. But in a season like this, that the NFC feels like week to week, it changes so much. And home field advantage not being what it normally well, Lambo is. Well, Lambo might be though in the cold. Could be, but both teams have to play in it. Uh-huh. But I would think that the Packers, at least a lot of the roster, won't be their first rodeo. True, but if it's yeah, if it's the Rams going there, it's one thing. If mm-hmm. it's another northern team, maybe not a big deal. I mean, I, I lost a ton of money on the Giants when they went to Lambo in the <laughs> NFC Championship yeah, game. Oh, that was awesome. I lost Tom a ton of Coughlin. money. But Michael Vick going to Lambo Field in his first playoff game and walks away a victor there. So. Sure, maybe, but not necessarily. But most importantly, defense travels. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that defense mm-hmm. with Aaron Donald yeah. is as good as you're going to find. Yep, I agree. The, the whole the defensive front is solid. Is he the best pass-rushing defensive tackle you've ever seen? <sighs> defensive tackle? Defensive tackle. I can't think of anybody else. I can't think of anybody else. Off the top of my head. I mean, I'm sure there were some. Cowboys had some. Randy White used to get to the quarterback. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's dominant defensive players. I think the most dominant, well, there's, when you think defense and dominance, right? Of course, Lawrence Tiff. But yes. for me, it's the Minister of Defense, 92. I mean, Reggie White. I mean, this guy, he was as strong, Trent, as you're ever mm-hmm. going to see. I don't know if he lifted weights. I'm sure he did. He just seemed like one of those guys who was just strong as a bull, right? I mean, literally, bull rushing guys and picking up offensive linemen off their feet and moving them against their will. He was so good. Boy, he died way too young. Yeah. He? Jesus, he died. And he's been gone for a while. Anyways, yeah, but to your point on Aaron Dahl, and here's the thing with him. He's not the tallest guy in the world. No. I mean, he's one of the shorter defensive tackles, I would think, in the league. Leverage is important at it that position. It is a great point. And he is, I mean, you saw him during hard knocks yeah, with his great. shirt off on the sideline. Yeah. My God. Doesn't Talk look like your no, normal defensive no, tackle. he doesn't even have gut. He's got no. a six-pack on him. For a defensive tackle? Uh-huh. Oh, boy, strong. Anyways, enough on the Rams. Mm-hmm. And, but just real quick, one more. Not okay. on the Ram, the stadium. I got to get to that stadium. Yeah. Doesn't, isn't that one that you... It's it's high on my list. Me my, too. My stepdad is a Rams fan, mm-hmm. so we've said when the Bears play there, we're going to go together Good. and make our way there, because you're right. It's absolutely immaculate. I have no desire to... I mean, I'm sure I'll get to Allegiant at some point, Yeah, but this one just looks like it's an entire... Yeah, John Randall was pretty good, White Schmidt. Thank you for that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, John Randall was really good. Uh, With good, the face good paint. Call. And the arms, the, the length of his arms. Yes. With the, he had the face paint. One of the first, maybe, that had that face paint. Remember the interview, I don't know if it was a Monday night piece with, you know how he got to be so quick, he said? Uh-huh. Where did he grow up? Florida? I think he said Florida. Okay. I think he's a Florida kid. Chasing chickens. Oh, really? Around. That was like Brad Banks. That was the Brad Banks story, too. Maybe that's a Florida thing. And I think Abdul Hodge talked about that, Is too, that when right? he was at Iowa. Yeah. Well, maybe they all picked it up from John Randall. Why, Schmidt, you're right on the money. That was a good one. <laughs> yes. Uh, who tweeted us that, uh, that one. But, um, yeah, I want to get to SoFi, Trent. Mm-hmm. There's really a football state. I'd like to get to Lambeau, too. I've never been. Well, you one problem. Yeah, i got to leave Ankeny. You have to leave yeah, Ankeny to get to these places. I know. So I've been to all the Big Ten. I've been to half the Big 12, been to a couple of SEC. See, it's still more college for me, yeah, college game sure. locations to get to. Because for an NFL game, and maybe it's just, 
I don't know. And if the tailgating is just different. Yeah, well, except if you're in Kansas City. Right, right. Yeah. That, they take it to a different uh, level they there. Do. But in general. That's a good point. And they tailgate, yes. But it just it has a different feel. Yeah. You know, I want to go to the Grove. You you visited there, not for a game, but nope, I want to go to a game at Ole Miss. I want to mm-hmm. I want to get to the swamp. I, I want to go to those kind of places and just see how different it is at each yeah. of the locations. Neyland Stadium for me coming up on the regatta on the boat. That's one thing I would like to do. Maybe get the LSU to Baton Rouge on a Saturday that's night. That's the big one. Yeah, that would be good. I don't know if there's a if there's a destination. A whiteout at Penn State, Happy Valley would be fun. Saw that a couple of times. Um Another somebody just tech Warren Sapp was pretty good too. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're forgetting a few guys. <laughs> yeah, Warren Sapp was pretty good too. Chuck Reed just sent that along, and he's right. Uh, but um, now this is a, this is a, the stadium thing is for another day. We got so it much is. we got. To yes, talk we about. do. Uh, well, well, let's get into Cyhawk real quick. We're okay. going to get to our our quick NFL segment coming up here in mm-hmm. a few minutes. But were you surprised? The point spread's thirteen and a half. I thought it would be a tad higher. You did see. I told you that the Ken Pomeroy, which is usually pretty close to what the line is, was 11 mm-hmm. going into yesterday at least. So I figured it would be a tick higher than that. Somebody had asked me, I said 14, so right in that area. So I didn't think it was going to be that high. In-state rivalry, is that a part? Maybe. I don't know how big of a, is that worth a half point? Is that worth a point mm-hmm. when you're building a point spread? But I wasn't shocked by it. We just don't know much about Iowa State. And the loss to South Dakota State, yeah, it's a stinger. And when you have a game canceled against DePaul, that's a part of it here. Well, we've seen they've, they play two games. What's more likely, that they at least hang around or this is a 25-point-plus blowout? Well, I know what I hope the answer is. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Right? I but mean, what, wanna... what do you think is more realistic? I think it, what's, what's more realistic? Um Tell me how the Hawks how the Hawks come out tonight after the win. Now here's the I guess if there is a maybe shoot down this if the North Carolina game was Wednesday, then mm-hmm. maybe they come out a little flat. They've had that extra day. Um, I just don't know if there's an answer for Luca Garza, Trent. There isn't. I mean, on this roster, but we've seen Luca have great games and Iowa also not win mm-hmm. last year against Michigan. What do you go off for? 42 in that game? Are, are the, is the rest of the uh, cast making their threes? And that's what's going to happen. Iowa State's going to have to shoot the ball really well. Uh-huh. They're probably going to have to hit, what, 12 plus threes to even be yeah. hanging around. Yep. I think that's a realistic number to shoot for. So you got to have Coleman Lands having mm-hmm. a game. Shot it well last year in Carver yeah. with DePaul. Yeah. Uh, Tyler, uh, Harris, Tyler Harris, uh, he can shoot it. it. I think it was the first game, the first of two. Uh, he filled it up a little bit from three, but they don't have, uh, I mean, other than those two, I mean, Johnson's made a few three. We just don't know much about this team. You know, Javen Johnson, I, I think, is going to be a better shooter than what we've seen, at least numbers wise, to this point. That was talked about a lot last year with him during his redshirt season, as he's a guy that could be a sniper. So, yeah, he goes out there and he hits three of seven. Coleman lands, hits a couple, and Harris goes off, and he's got four or five threes. That's the way. What's the game plan defensively? Are you going to be For a team? For Iowa, For Iowa State. State. Are you going to be a team that is going you to... double Garza and you hope they miss. I think that's the way you have to do it, uh-huh. right? And after hitting 17 threes on Tuesday... Yeah, I don't think they can repeat that. You wouldn't think so. Even at home, you don't mm-hmm. think that's going to happen and shoot at that kind that's, of percentage. That's a chance you have to take, Trent. Yeah. You take your chances with... Uh, so that's the tiebreaker, by the way, in Claxons, is, is Luca points and rebounds. Oh, okay. You know, those two. What would you say? 
Points and rebounds tonight. What would be the? What do you think when we have our four callers at eleven forty-five? What number are you going to? What number they're going to be surrounding? Thirty-eight. I was higher. I was forty. You're forty. Yeah. Okay. Twenty-six and, and fourteen. We get a call from uh, Jefferson out of DraftKings, and they say starting January first, when we can have these props. Oh. Right, right, right. Things are about to change here, folks. In a big way. Yes. And let's hope that the properties here in the state are ready for these kind of things. If not, I mean, I'm available. (laughs) I can help you out. But how much fun would it be today if we had a prop sheet Mm -hmm. for Iowa Iowa State? Not This will be the last time we don't. Yes. This will be the last time we don't. But have a prop sheet Mm -hmm. where it is. And not just Luca Garza. Head One and a half threes for Tyler Harris. Yeah, absolutely. Two and a half threes now, for Jordan will, Bohan. Will they have head-to-heads on the list? Oh, and head-to-heads? Yes. I, I don't know. I don't either. You know what? We'll have Brian Arilko on next week from the yes. Iowa Racing Put, and Gaming Commission. Don't let us forget. I'm no. putting that. You usually say that to me. I'm saying that to you. Okay. Because we, uh, I, I just love that stuff. And for our Super Bowl in our state, mm-hmm. for our biggest game, both football and basketball, let's hope that we have those kind of props and deeper than... Over under points. Yeah, for each team. I'm with you. Uh, well, well, we'll do that because the reason we didn't have on this week is I want the November numbers, mm-hmm. and I think they might be out today. I talked to him when did I speak to him Wednesday on another matter, and I asked him that question. He said maybe late yesterday or today. So, anyways, if the, if you care about those kind of things, how much money is wagered in our state? So the game itself, um, I, I hope it's close, Trent. I just don't. I don't know. Over under number of minutes for Xavier Foster. What would you put that at? Haven't seen him much. They haven't. I mean, he was he coming off one the, minute the other the last time we saw him. Coming off injury though, uh-huh. so now he is well more than a week removed from the last time that they were out on the hardwood, and he got what thirty seconds in that game. About a, yeah, I think he was down for a minute. Yeah, he, right at the end of the first uh-huh. half, I think he came in with like thirty five yep. seconds. One of the, left or somebody got like foul that. trouble. I'm yeah. not sure who. Maybe Young. Uh, Does Condit have anything? Is this is a guy that Trent, we yeah, we missed not, on? Not yet, he doesn't. Because we both really liked mm-hmm. him. The first two times we saw him. But we saw flashes. We did. And you thought that would build, but it, it has not shown nope. up this year. No, it hasn't. Solomon Young, nice player. Yep. But he's 6'8". Right. And you're throwing him one-on-one against Garza. I don't yeah. think he can do that. And when Garza comes out, here comes Nunji. Yeah. And though Nunji didn't play well against Carolina. No, he really didn't. We saw the game previous. Uh-huh. And he couldn't miss. What do you have, 18, I think, yeah. in that game in, the, in his uh, in his return? Well, that was an excellent story. We'll see. We hope it's close uh, here tonight. Game tips at 8 o'clock. And we've got you surrounded. Want the Hawkeye radio call? Of course, you know we can find that. News Radio 1040 WHO. And the Cyclone call will be down the other hall here uh, on uh, 100.3 The Bus. Hope it's a good game. Of course, we'll make that a part of our Claxons giveaway as well nfl segment coming up we're going to do uh, we're double dipping here in the nfc north we'll get jeff hughes on the bears first of all then dave sinekin the headcheese.com he will slide on in here as we'll take a look at the packers the packers four well everybody's got four games left i think the packers three and one they might go four and oh but that game against tennessee going to be a little tricky is this the weekend that the chicago bears get back in the win column for the first time when was the last time they won? When, it was October, right? Were they not 0 for November? Was it the... The Panthers game was the last game that they won. The Panthers game. Not a pretty one either. Teddy gave him a, a pick early and held on for dear life. I don't think they won in November. Anyways, here's Jeff Hughes from the Bears blog. He would know. Hello, Jeff. Trent and Ken, how are you? 
Hey guys, how are you? Doing okay. Been a long time since the uh, the, the the good guys have won a football game. Um, this weekend, well, let me let me get your take. What do they uh, after last week? The way that it ended with with the Lions uh, snatching uh, defeat from the jaws of victory, seemingly. Here comes Houston uh, with the Deshaun Watson story again. Uh, another quarterback that uh, could have been uh, wearing a Bears uniform. What do you expect this weekend after they got beat the way they did last week, Jeff? I don't expect much, to be perfectly honest. And I think we're in that place now where the guys in charge of the Bears have to find a way to make this respectable down the stretch. If Matt Nagy wants to have any argument to come back and coach this team next year, this can't continue to go off the rails. They can't lose out. They can't find themselves 5-11 and when this is all over after being 5-1. and uh, the offense showed some signs of life last week, but that was against a uh, debilitated Lions team. I think the Texans will have more fire in them this week. I think Deshaun will be out there with something to prove, even though he says he doesn't. I think he will. Mm. And I, I think the Bears are in for a long day on Sunday. I just, I just, The last few weeks have demoralized everyone around this team. There's very little reason to think you're going to see an inspired effort on Sunday. So earlier this week, the Bears uh, in Hallis Hall was shut down after positive coronavirus tests. What can you tell us what you heard there and felt like a lot of times these things linger for a long while, change very quickly for the Bears. What do you know? Just a, a single positive test for the uh, punt returner they signed off the, the Texans. I mean, listen, to the idea that they had one positive test in the building and that person didn't have close contacts to anyone else in the organization is unlikely, let's just say. But, hey, we saw the NFL last week tell us Des Bryant didn't yeah, have any close contact right. when he's hugging people right. in the pregame. Right. I mean, it's one of these scenarios where we, we now understand what the NFL is going to do. They're going to put the train on the track, and they're not going to stop. No. So if you're expecting all of a sudden this league to have a conscience and to come out and say, for the safety of our players, we're not going to play, they're going to play. And they're going to do everything in their power to get every one of these games in. So I, from what I've been told, there's just the one positive test. But you guys know, it's wake up every morning now and hope mm-hmm. it's not the team you cover. You just hope you don't have seven, eight. You hope the game doesn't get bumped to a Tuesday afternoon. It's it's a bizarre season, but right now it seems like everything's under control in Chicago. Wow, that that's the good news. You know, since there is no wiggle room left, uh, Jeff, what if what if we get a game with you know two play two non playoff? We'll use this one, uh, the Bears and the Houston, unlikely uh, to go to the playoff. The Texans and Bears. What would they do if they get to a point where they have to cancel a game? I, I know they wanted to stay away from Week 18. They wouldn't. They wouldn't go to a Week 18 for a non a, a, a game that doesn't have any playoff ramifications, would they? What I've been told is that they do not want to go to the Week 18 scenario. They, that is that is the last resort for them. The problem they have with the Bears is that they're still on the periphery of the playoff hunt. So you can't say to the Bears, "Your games don't matter until you're mathematically eliminated." Would they put this game into a Week 18, and then when they get to that point, realize this this game is meaningless, we're not going to play it? I I guess they could feasibly do that. But listen, I have have friends in the league office, and I ask them the same question all the time. What is your COVID protocol? Lay it out for me. Tell me what your plan is week to week. And they don't have one. Their plan is completely reactive. They wait. If something happens, they respond to it. There is no proactive plan for how this goes. They have the contingency plan built in for the eighth playoff team should they have to cancel a whole slate of games. But we've seen they're not going to do it. 
They flew the Ravens with all those positive tests and all that contact. They flew them over state lines to Pennsylvania to play a game uh, mm-hmm. against the Steelers. I just I don't see any scenario where they're going to cancel these games. Yeah, the with your the Des Bryant uh, hugging the members of the Cowboys, some of his former <laughs> teammates, and then one yeah. of the Ravens uh, PR guys tweeted out a picture and very it was, uh, it was, and then very quickly had to delete that. Remember that? I mean, it's so bizarre because it's like they're trying to sell us on on a situation that doesn't exist. We know. You know. Just say you're playing the games. Just tell us you're playing the games. At this point, we understand that the, the the health and safety of the players is no longer paramount for you, and it hasn't been for a long time. Just admit you're playing the games and you're moving forward. Uh, was there any blowback against Allen Robinson for his um, being brain fart at the end of that football game, jumping up before he, you know, had moved past the sticks? Was there? What was the? Uh, what's the week like been him? Has he had to answer that question? I hope he has. And, and the problem Allen Robinson's had sort of all season long is when you have a, a belabored contract dispute where you want to be paid as one of the top receivers in the league, you have to perform like one of the top receivers in the league. And Bears fans have noticed that the 50-50 ball is not Allen Robinson's friend. A bunch this year have been picked off. A couple have been dropped. There's the brain fart at the end of the, uh, the, end of the game last week. We, Allen Robinson wants $100 million. He's not getting it. He has not been that kind of player. I don't care what the quarterback play is. He has not been that kind of player in Chicago. Now, is he a is he a supremely viable number one receiver, sixty million dollar player? A hundred percent. But you're not going to pay this guy as one of the top players in the league because he's just not one of the top players in the league. Pat Fitzgerald, a name that's being mm. bandied about more and more. I've had my thoughts on there a few weeks ago. I don't think we've talked to you about that one, Jeff. Where would you sit if uh, the firing happens of Nagy and the new coaches announced Pat Fitzgerald? Excitement, trepidation, where are you? I, I'm, I'm always trepidatious when it comes to these college coaches, especially someone like Fitzgerald, who's not particularly known for his offense there at Northwestern. I mean, it, if you're going to go the college route, the guy I have zeroed in on, I zeroed in on him three years ago, I zero in on him now, is David Shaw. Yeah. David Shaw has the NFL pedigree. David Shaw can come in and bring a program with him that he's learned in the NFL, that he's coached under Harbaugh. He knows all these guys. David Shaw is the guy who's going to bring in a college coach to, to implement their program. He's the one. But let's before we start talking about coaches, the Bears have to get the structure of the organization settled. This cannot be, hey, we're going after Pat Fitzgerald. This has to be, who's making football decisions? Who's the general manager? And let that group, the group that's running football ops choose their coach. The owner, this owner specifically, should not be in the business of choosing head coaches. Uh, Jeff Hughes, DeBearsBlog.com. Jeff, thank you. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it, Jeff Hughes. Take care, guys. Thank you. DeBearsBlog.com. From DeBearsBlog to TheHeadCheese.com. The team he covers, follows, roots for, they're in an entirely different spot than the Chicago Bears. you find them right on top of the division with a tiebreaker over New Orleans already in the bank with the fact that the Saints still have to play the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes, Tennessee is ahead on the Green Bay Packers schedule, but uh, starting to look like there's uh, more than just a pathway to that number one seed. Dave Sinekin, how are you? Uh, I'm good, Ken. Yeah, it's certainly right there in front of the pack. I think if they do win out, they'll claim the number one seed. I, I think New Orleans will trip up uh, at least once. Certainly the Kansas City game is looming, but 
I mean, they do have to win all four of these games, and there's uh, some potholes and some danger. So I just, you know, I'm going to go with the old cliche, one week at a time. Well, and this week, here come the Detroit Lions. We saw them. Uh, the Bears seemingly gifted them one last week, but there was a little more fire with Bevel uh, on the sidelines and calling the shots. Did you notice that, that they're seemingly this Lions team, they got a bit of a jolt uh, with the dismissal at the head coach position and the general manager? Sure sounds like it. It feels like a ding-dong, the witch is dead kind of a feel in that locker room. Um, Marvin Jones this week said, you know, the dictator is gone. I mean, strong mm, language. Wow that uh, everything's really loosened up in Detroit with Daryl Bevel, and he's just encouraging them to go out and have some fun. They played looser. He, uh, he kind of cut Matthew Stafford loose and let him take deep shots on the Bears instead of kind of the dink and dunk, protect the ball um, theme that, that Patricia wanted with the offense. So, yeah, no, I think you see it with interim coaches. You saw it in Atlanta. You saw it in Houston. And I think you saw it with week one with uh, Detroit. And I do think of Green Bay's last four games, this one is the most dangerous one. Green Bay has lost two of the last three at Ford Field. They were lucky to win the one last year. They didn't lead till the final play of the game, and, and Matthew Stafford didn't play in that game. So, granted, uh, there's no fans. It's obviously not as tough to play on the road this year. But it's been kind of a house of horrors, and uh, with that little bit of uh, enthusiasm in that locker room, I think Green Bay needs to be careful on Sunday. Dave, uh, Ken and I have gone uh, back and forth a little bit about the MVP, and I believe it's Mahomes by a wide gap. He's told me that Roger certainly has closed that, and I hear it. So give me the argument. Ultimately, how Aaron Rodgers can win the MVP this year over Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard to argue against Patrick Mahomes for sure with uh, what he has done. I think the, the biggest argument you could make for Aaron Rodgers is um, does he have a Tyreek Hill and a, and a Travis Kelsey? And, and I know Devontae Adams is as good as it gets, but mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill's ability with that speed to really mm-hmm. make defenses just sweat uh, bullets is, is a difference maker. So I just think that that offense has more around it than, than Rodgers does. But, I, I, you know, it's hard to say. I think I think if, if Rodgers takes this team to the number one seed, uh, and that's where they vote, obviously, before the playoffs, I think I could end up making a pretty compelling argument for what he's done. Everybody's been screaming about the lack of weapons. They didn't do anything in the draft. Um, and I think, really, you point to the offensive line first, and that, that unit's playing so well that it's made Roger's job a little bit easier. But clearly in the second year under Matt LaFleur, he has a complete comfort level and understanding of this offense. And, you know, putting up 40 points a week virtually, is, it almost seems like you get used to it. And I think they have a good chance to score 40 against Detroit Sunday. But I, I can't argue against Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that kid's going to be a historically great quarterback. But I don't think the gap is quite as wide, Trent, as you make, make it seem to be. And you, I took this uh, the same uh, um, argument or point in the debate, too. Uh, who's Travis Kelsey? Who's Tyreek Hill? Uh, yes, clearly the uh, the Packers have a weapon. Good running game as well. Uh, but uh, I, I took Rodgers. You know what else I think maybe... Because of his age, Dave, I'm not sure that there'll be another opportunity for you know those voters that are on the fence. He's 37. Might this be the last time? I'm not saying it's a lifetime achievement because he's clearly more than that. But I I think it's I think it's really close. Well, we'll we'll see how this thing uh, turns out. What about injuries? Anything that uh, you know, fantasy players? Is there anyone you're paying close attention to, uh, skill wise, that may not be may not be able to answer the bell this week? Well, there are a few offensive guys that are down. Tyler Irvin, the returner, 
slash receivers placed on IR will miss the next three weeks, which should open the door for Tavon Austin, who was inactive mm. last week. But he'll probably return punts on Sunday, and, and I'll bet he plays a handful of snaps and some of the jet sweeps and some of the motion stuff that Green Bay likes to do. Uh, Jay Sternberger, I doubt anybody's starting him on their fantasy team, but if you do have Robert Tunyon, more opportunities for him because Jace uh, suffered a concussion in that game and is not cleared yet. He won't play on Sunday. Uh, Equinemia St. Brown also kind of iffy. Uh, that's pretty do- far down the depth chart. But in a game against this defense where you expect them to pay special attention to Devontae Adams, who will still get his, yep. uh, I think there are going to be opportunities for Alan Lazard uh, in this game as, as there were last year against Detroit for him. Um, and otherwise... You know, nothing real major on offense. The biggest hit defensively, Green Bay lost uh, safety-slash-hybrid linebacker Raven Green, who was really an important member of that defense in the dime, which Petten likes to play a lot more than half the time. He's on IR with a shoulder injury. He's been up and down this year. Green Bay's defense has been better with him on the field because Petten likes to play in that dime, and they don't have another guy that is both a really good tackler and is okay in coverage. So. Uh, to me, it, it opens up the opportunity for Stafford and that passing game to, to try to keep up with Green Bay. I think there'll be a lot of points scored on Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, but I just don't see how Detroit is able to stop uh, Aaron Rodgers in this offense with what they've got defensively. Nor do I. We've got 30 seconds left. Uh, what, what did you think of the Rams last night? I, look, I think the NFC is the Saints, the Packers, and uh, the Rams got my attention last night. Um, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they... Ultimately, come out of the NFC. Defense is playing well. Goff, when you get him on a good night, uh, he's more than adequate. What did you think, Dave? Yeah, I watched a lot of the Rams. I liked them a lot. And as a guy that had Cam Akers on his fantasy team, I'm oh, nice all year to see them finally give him the ball. And when, when they can run like that, they're a different team. I think that's what's been holding them back in the conversation with the elite in the NFC. Um, I don't put a whole lot into what the Patriots put on the field. I I understand they threw up 45 against the Chargers last week, but I don't think that team is that good. I've seen the Rams look really bad. I've seen them look really good. But I put them in the same conversation with the Saints and Packers. I think those three teams uh, have kind of separated themselves. I think Tampa Bay has a chance to get in that conversation if they come back Sunday, take care of the Vikings, and start to get their uh, sea legs. But, yeah, I put the Rams in the conversation with that coach and that defense, and now with a running game, yeah, they have to be there. No doubt. Dave Sinek in theheadcheese.com is Dave's blog. You can hear him on the radio Sunday morning. He's been doing it for 25 years on the flagship of the Minnesota Vikings Green Bay Packer conversation every Sunday morning. I love that angle, Dave. I always have and appreciate you coming on. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Sounds great. Have a great weekend. Yep, you do the same. Dave Sinek at theheadcheese.com. 10.30 on a Friday. Tom Cakert on the Hawkeyes. Next, Miller in Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.0. Beacon Building. Miller in Condon, welcome back. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Still to come, Mitch Holtus, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, in about 15 minutes. Uh, Trent, during the break, uncovered a little nugget on Twitter. Uh, what did you uncover, Trent Condon? Uh, this is from the Wolverine.com and Chris Ballas, who says Big Ten sources, Michigan at Iowa Friday night, very possible, if not most likely. If uh, if Michigan can play more on the Wolverine dot com, you have that angle to it. But this is from a Michigan source and Tom Cakert, who joins us right now. Just talked to Chris Ballas a moment ago, so fill us in, Tom. We getting Wolverines Hawkeyes next Friday? 
Yeah, so Chris is one of my best friends in the business. So it's, uh, you know, it goes to that saying that I trust his reporting. Uh-huh. And um, he is um, he's terrific, and he, he got it from a, a pretty high up Big Ten source that that's the plan. Now, he said it, the caveat is, is Michigan going to be able to feel the team? Mm-hmm. And that is still up in the air because they've got over they have over 40 cases just within the team. Um, so they were going to um, be struggling. Nice. In fact, they were going to, um, you know, be struggling to maybe find a quarterback, even if they played this week. Uh, he was telling me they might have to, may have had to run the wildcat uh, against Ohio State mm. because Milton's got a thumb problem and uh, the, the the other kids. Is it McNamara? Kate McNamara? Yeah, they, right. The, is that right, right? He's got a shoulder issue. Um, so they may have been running, running some, and he's not even sure that those guys would be ready for next week. And he said it's, you know, the caveat is if Michigan has enough guys Jeez. that they can play next Friday. So, um, we'll, we'll see because there, it may end up because Purdue's got a bad outbreak mm-hmm. that, um, that maybe they just end up matching Michigan and Purdue and call it a no contest and just. You know, then it ends up being Iowa, Indiana. But these second place games or whatever they're calling them, the the, the other games, they don't really matter. Um, so why not play Indiana and Purdue so yep. the old Oak and Bucket can continue? Why not play Wisconsin and Minnesota so Paul Bunyan's axe can still keep grinding away? You know, do all those things. Yeah, you're preaching the choir. And, and here's what I hope happens, Tom, and I, I believe it will, though it's the Big Ten hierarchy, so we're not exactly sure, um, <laughs> is they take that the likelihood of the game happening into consideration when they match these teams. Look, Iowa has made it through, knock on whatever this is, not wood, but get my point, unscathed COVID-wise. Um, I would hate to see them you know, match up against a Michigan. And Michigan, as we sit here today, as you just mentioned the number, there's a pretty good chance Michigan won't be able to answer the bell. Give Iowa, you know, someone that is going to be in the same place as they are that's going to be able to, you know, make the get to the game and make the game happen. Yeah, and we don't even know what Indiana's situation is that's either because they, they had to pause yep. things uh, due to a potential outbreak. Um, so there's a lot that's you know, <laughs> a lot up in the air right now, I think, with uh, – with the, with all this, um, so I think they're kind of keeping their options open. But right now, it sounds like um, it's going to be Iowa and Michigan, which would be fine with me. And Friday night would be awesome because there's a big basketball game at 11 a.m. on Saturday mm-hmm. that I'd like to tune into. Yeah, no doubt. And I think uh, maybe that makes sense for Iowa in a scheduling perspective. They play one of these Friday games. So are the Zags back? By the way, that's what we're referring to. Yes, Gonzaga, uh, they had to pause, but are they? They will be back the fourteenth gotcha. is when they can start gotcha. practicing. And it sounds like I read something the other day. All systems appear good. to be a go good. for them to be able to get back on the practice floor. Two thirty tomorrow, Tom. It's Wisconsin. First one to two touchdowns wins this. I mean, mm. it is it is as simple as that. Two excellent defenses. Two offenses that have had their issues, and you throw snow into the mix. Is it two touchdowns, and you win this thing? And you got and you got wind. You got yeah. twenty five, thirty mile an oh, hour wow. gust wind with snow and cold. Awesome. And, uh, is it the first one to double digits? Maybe that uh, that wins the game if we get to double digits. Uh, that might be the the right call here. Yeah, I think it's just big mistakes. Whoever makes a mistake. I was joking with a friend of mine, and this was. Half joking, by the way. Iowa should just run the Wildcat the entire game. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad idea. It's not. 
I mean, it's, look at it. We, we saw it last it's week. It's 11 on 11 then. Yeah. It's 11 on 11 right. then. And, um, and, you know, if you want to pass it, pass it. But it's getting the ball into the hands of the playmakers in the simplest form yep. possible. And, and, and Tom, look at Wisconsin. Believe it or not, this is one of the few years they just really don't have a running game. Berger's okay, and I think before yeah. his time is done, he's going to be—you know—he's going to make an impact there. But give me Sargent and Goodson and the offensive line of Iowa uh, any day of the week. That's why, I, and I can't believe that Wisconsin's favored in this game. That line has been weird all week because it opened, I think, like a pick, and then it went to Iowa. And now it's just completely gone back to Wisconsin, and I don't, I don't get it. Um, you know, some friends of mine who, um, who I trust on these things immediately said, just get get on Iowa this week. Mm-hmm. So I was like, huh, all right, that must be the the side that people people believe in. Um, but Wisconsin has owned this rivalry. Wisconsin's defense is still nasty. Yep, um, they're giving up seventy two yards on the ground, best in the conference. Um, they've got overall the best defense in the conference by a lot, kind of. So um, they have been really stingy there, but they haven't turned people over much uh, where Iowa is pretty stingy, but they've created a lot of turnovers, a lot of sacks. And Wisconsin hasn't really done that this year. They don't have the impact guys off the the, the edge, like, you know, the B goals and the uh, Van Ginkles and guys like mm-hmm. that that have been just terrorizing Iowa over the years. You can read the full breakdown over at HawkeyeReport.com. Tom Kakert has it up on the website right now. Before we get out of here, Tom, let's jump over to a little basketball. It's Iowa State. Not the same intrigue. There's been some of the past years. Iowa State got off to a rough start. The loss to South Dakota State, Iowa. But it's Iowa State. You wouldn't think there's a flat effort. But could there be a chance at a flat effort here from the Hawkeyes? I don't think so, based on the way Bohannon was talking. Uh The game, (laughs) I think they... They will gleefully uh, hang, you know, a thirty-point loss on the Cyclones if they can. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but um, but if they can hang one on on Iowa State, they will hang one on Iowa State simply so they can probably uh, go on go on social media and troll George Niang for a day or two. <laughs> I would guess. Uh, these guys, even though they're no longer part of it, I love the fact that uh, you can't get away from it, right? And Bohannon, he'll be that guy, i got to think, once his playing career comes to an end as well. Tom, last thing, uh, let's just go back to Tuesday night. I've been saying since then, look, Garza's statistic, statistically 16 and 14, that's pretty good, but not by his standard. But you know what, Tom? I was just the fact that, that North Carolina's got so many bigs and um, – I, I was I was kind of thinking that you know Garza might have impressed me as much as against North Carolina as he has all year so far. Yeah, he just he worked his tail off to get his points, and you know the thing that impressed you was he was passing out of those double teams, finding open guys, setting good screens, and and the other thing that was real apparent um, is he was uh, you know drawing the doubles, and the other guys were hitting those shots, and that's going to serve Iowa well down the road because now teams are going to be like, eh, we can't really double that much on Luca because these other guys are snipers. So I think that film is going to change or, or adjust how teams guard Iowa, and that's going to make things easier for Luca uh, down the road. 
Tom Caker at HawkeyeReport.com. Tom, you'll be in the press box early tomorrow. We may have some snow flurries in the air. Those pictures you're going to tweet out from the press box at Kinnick may have some snow coming down. Here's hoping. Tom, thank you. We will uh, talk to you next week. And when, when will the Big Ten make their announcement as to how next weekend is going to play out, Tom? Is that a Sunday thing? Um, hopefully. They said at the latest Monday, but I think they want to just get a read on uh, like Michigan and Purdue to see if they're going to be able right. to go or not. Because if they can't go, then it changes what you're what you're doing. Absolutely. Thank you, Tom Caker. Appreciate you coming on. As always, talk to you next okay. week. Good to talk Thank to you. Thank you, guys. Yep, Tom Caker, HawkeyeReport.com. She had a text, high place source in the Big Ten. Somebody asked me, was that Sir Yacht? Oh, it's the, the highest of high sources. You don't get any higher than that, do you? Uh, we will talk to uh, Mitch High, uh, Mitch Holt. Uh, Mitch, Mitch Holt is his name. Mitch Yacht. Uh, he, he's the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, and we'll get to the reigning champions next. Miller and Condon till noon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 10.org. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Papa John's. Central Iowa location sponsored this segment with the voice of the reigning champion Kansas City Chiefs fresh off a win against the Broncos off they go to Miami next week though a lot of eyeballs New Orleans and the Kansas City Chiefs both of them may be in the one spot once we get to that point Mitch Holtis Trenton Ken thanks for coming on how are you good sir uh, yeah the interesting thing about these next two games the Chiefs have won two Super Bowls and the locale of those two Super Bowl victories are the next two locales. Nice. Miami for Super Bowl 54 yeah. in New Orleans when uh, Len Doss and Otis Taylor and all that, that terrific defense won Super Bowl four. So they're just a bit of irony to get us started on this glorious Friday morning. Indeed, it is a glorious Friday morning. Uh, let's go back before we go forward. Mitch, you know what's becoming very apparent to me? Uh, if, a, if a defense wants to take away Tyreek Hill, well, Travis Kelsey's going to kill you. And, and, and vice versa, sure. right? It is such a... Um, such a luxury to have those two weapons, both of them unstoppable in their own way. And 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 your team put up a good fight. It just reminded me of a good hockey team that had a great goalie and two good defensemen. Yeah. It's just limited on the offensive end, okay? But that Denver defense lived up to our discussion last Friday. Mm-hmm. You can copy and paste that discussion, and that's the way that game turned out. Uh, but, honestly, you're right. And I think it's 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 the most lethal group right now in the NFL. However, here's what's interesting about that, Ken. You can still try to take away those two, and they'll still bite you. Um, That's what I was saying about Tyreek Hill. He's been able to even get beat double teams. That's what a Marvin Harrison or uh, Antonio Brown in his prime, those level of guys can do, Uh, and DeAndre Hopkins. Mm -hmm. So you can even try to take them away, and they'll still get you. That's what drives defensive coordinators crazy. Mitch, uh, this week it's Dolphins. A very intriguing matchup. I think year two of mm-hmm. Flores, look, last year coming into the season, looked like they were going to win a game. And, of course, they did more than that. Here they are, 8-4. and four. And a local connection, Matt Hack, who went down to Arizona State to punt. Yeah. A Dowling kid and a heck of an athlete. He was a wide receiver and a punt returner on that team, too. He was just a great athlete. And they've used him in trick plays a lot throughout his career with the Dolphins. Yeah, this because he's that good of athlete. But let's see, you bring up Matt Hack, and I'm glad you did because one, I always try to get our KXNO guys in here. Mm-hmm. Jamal Perry from Iowa State's also on this team, but he's on their COVID 19 list, so we'll, they might activate him. I don't know. Uh, here's the deal with Hack, um, and it brings up a bigger point. And the fact that first, a tip of the cap to the Dowling Maroons, 
Okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, the I've seen the 2020 Dolphins before, the 2013 Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Now, let's, let's go back in time here to the ancient days of mid-2019. And you're right, Trent. These guys were the Jets of 2020. They were brutal. 0-7. Uh, they trade Minka Fitzpatrick. They trade Laramie Tunsil. What are they doing? You know, it's tank for Tua. And then all of a sudden they win five of the next nine games, including the glorious victory over the Patriots to give the Chiefs the bye. Okay, this year, so since that 0-7 point, they're 13-8. and Well, how have they done it? Brian Flores might be my vote for coach of the year in the league. Mm. You start with defense. They are right now in value over average, the old VOA stat. They are number one in special teams. So how do you build it? You do it the way Andy Reid did it. Yes, Andy Reid is a brilliant offensive mind, but he knew his offense had to catch up, and they were too far away to compete. So how did he do it? Defensively. The Chiefs were number one in the league, two out of the first three years of Andy Reid in takeaways, and they were outstanding in the red zone defense, third down defense. And special teams, they were the best in the league. All right, what are the Dolphins doing? Number two in give, uh, takeaways uh, to only the Pittsburgh Steelers. And their VOA ranking, they're number one in the NFL in all the special teams. So Flores is doing it precisely the way Andy Reid did it because both teams, when they took it over, were anything but unicorns and candy canes. <laughs> and Matt Hack is right in the middle of that uh, development. So it's more and go, ha-ha, local kid, he's a punter. No, he's got a way bigger role in the development of the Dolphin franchise. Yeah, their arrow is clearly pointing up. So who do you think, uh, who are they preparing for at quarterback? Who do the Chiefs think they're going to see, Fitzpatrick or Tua? It'll be Tua. I'll be stunned if it's not Tua. They, they've, you know, Fitzpatrick gives them more of a chance to win now. Yeah, I found it's a little bit early to go with Tua mm-hmm. because if you're going to follow the Andy Reid method, you would give Fitz this whole year and then just let Tua learn, like the Mr. Miyagi, Alex Smith slash Patrick Mahomes 2017 season. Uh-huh. So I was a little surprised they threw Tua in there, particularly where Fitzpatrick was playing at such a high level. But what Fitzpatrick does, Ken, is give them more of an, a, a propensity to hit big plays. Right now, the Dolphins, their offense is lagging behind, but they knew it would. They want to build it right. But their offense is next to last in 20-plus plays. They are last in 20-plus runs. There's just not explosive plays in this offense. When they've had him, it has been Fitzpatrick at quarterback. Two is trying to stay within himself and just gradually learn, although he played uh, pretty well last week. The voice of the Dowling Catholic Maroons, Mark Amadeo, just checked in. It's actually the pronunciation is Hawk, not Hat, for Matt Hawk. Yes, like Hawkeyes. So like, thank you. yes, Thanks. yes. So, and Maroons is Maroon. <laughs> you got that. You got that. Hey, one yeah. final thing. Miami, the way that they blitz, I mean, they're bringing guys from all over. With the offensive line issues we've seen from the Chiefs, is is that one nugget you're kind of keeping in the back of your mind? And, boy, keeping Mahomes upright, always important, maybe even more important in this one? Well, against this defense now, I mentioned their takeaways. Um, but, yes, they can pressure the quarterback. And, ironically, it's Emmanuel Ogba who's their best pressure guy. And he was the chief last year. The yeah. Chiefs just couldn't keep him. They couldn't pay everybody. And he's probably the most that is hurt to go, we can't pay him, gosh, go in peace. But you can't pay everybody. There's a salary cap. But he's playing great for them. Now, here's the other bit, bit to this game that's interesting. Brian Flores was with the Patriots for 15 years. All right, so he's already game-planned three times against Patrick Mahomes in his career prior to his time in Miami, including the AFC Championship game. So Flores, is he knows. Uh, but if, if you blitz Patrick, guess the quarterback in the league that has but the number one blitz quarterback rating by far. If you don't get there, you're in big trouble. Yep. Go back to Ken's first point. 
even as good as the Dolphins are in coverage, the Chiefs love it when you blitz them. If you can get the pass off, and remember, it gets off in a nanosecond. Yeah, from from a variety of different angles. Speaking of nanoseconds, yes, we sir. have precious few of them to talk about Papa John's. I'm new the R, I'm the new R and D director of Papa John's of Iowa. Uh, Matt Donaldson came down on a jetpack and dropped. He said, "You got to try this cheeseburger pizza, or this cheeseburger papadillas, double cheeseburger." I tried them. I gave the thumbs up. Boom. So I've got a new job now. And the more you can do in COVID, right? So I'm the new taste tester. I am the new taste tester for Papa John's of Iowa. They got the right guy. We'll talk to you before the Saints. Thank you, Mitch Holtis. See you guys, O Canada. Good to talk to you. Mitch Holtis, voice of the Chiefs. Hour two next.